every single time he came in, people all start chanting Zeus, which is pretty awesome for two reasons. A, because he's awesome and it's fun to have collective fan experiences. But also, this is a dude that's kind of gone through, like, had a rough year last year. And, like, it's encouraging in a way that, like, this speaks well of the Georgia fan base, where with all of these five stars coming and all of these people coming in, some stud comes in and gets hurt and can't play. And people are so excited when he comes back that they're yelling Zeus when he came in. That was a underrated very cool thing that happened at the game. So you event. buy that. Oh, very much buy on Zeus. Week one of the college football season is in the books. The Dogs are 1-0, ranked third in the nation, and sit atop the SEC East standings. Something special is happening on Saturday. Georgia kicks off its home schedule at Sanford Stadium. Vince Dooley will be honored as the field will officially be named after him, and we as fans get to resume our tailgate traditions back in America's greatest college town, Athens, Georgia. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 189 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. I'm joined, as usual, by my two co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, as we preview the Dogs versus Murray State. You'll learn a few interesting facts about the racers who hail from Murray, Kentucky, but the three of us also continue to share a few thoughts on this past weekend's game at Vanderbilt. Tony also provides a little bit more insight into Coach Dooley's legacy here at Georgia, and we get into our college football pick'em contest standings. Yes, we have a leader in the clubhouse. And later in the show, we make our picks for this weekend's games of interest around the country and have some fun with Georgia football trivia and, of course, buy and sell. Or buy or sell. Whichever way you read it, it's fine. It's another quality show that we're bringing you today. Hope you enjoy it. And here's Will to get it all started. So I made it back. We all made it back. Uh, those of us made it back from Nashville. Uh, I will say, uh, I mentioned this on the post-game show, I don't know what Nashville was like 15 years ago, but now it's like Mardi Gras every day. Uh, it's ba- Bachelorette Party Central. Uh, I have to say, I don't know if uh, if I were a Vanderbilt student, I might constantly walk around scared. Because <laughs> also, you know, they're, they're studying all the time, what with Vanderbilt and whatnot. I mean, I've, I don't know. If I was a Vanderbilt student, I'd walk around like a Tulane student, but, you know. Yeah. Tulane, but like, yeah, Tulane. You know right what you're getting into. Right, right, right. You made a good analogy uh, before we started about how you felt Nashville because Tony and I both have been to Times Square. Right. And yeah. you related it to that. The, the way that I've kind of figured out how Nashville has become uh, that appears to be different from <clears throat> the way it was before because my wife was a big fan of Nashville and she knows this as well is basically I think Nashville has been so overrun by tourists and parties and bachelorette and bachelor parties that we noticed that the wait staff pretty much everywhere we went, whether it was a bar or a restaurant, treated us as if they worked at the Olive Garden in Times Square oh. in that like a lack of patience with you, a kind of condescend- being kind of condescending, kind of a hurry to get you out of there. Uh, they basically all treated us like we were uh, wearing Hawaiian shirts and uh, go at the local sandals resort. That like, and, uh, and whatever, we would do some cool place. Like we were not at the Olive Garden in, in Nashville. Like we were even uh, place off the downtown a little bit but you know i think that i can understand like new or- if you live in new orleans you know the score <laughs> and, but like i feel like and people that know nashville or live in nashville please correct me if i'm wrong on this because i've only been there once and for for one football weekend but this was not georgia football fans like nobody these people on these things were not care worried about football i i can't imagine what it's like to live in a city for a long time and nashville is obviously a very nice city but to have it Turn in over the span of five or ten years. I don't know if they made the bars open later. Or they've turned it into more of a downtown party place. But now, I mean, like, you can live in a residential area and there are party buses going down, going past your house 
All hours. So that whole Weston Boulevard area there from the stadium back up almost to the interstate. Exactly. We drove from Weston. After the game, my son and I walked back. It's about, about a little over two miles. And um, we walked back Weston Avenue. You get on Broadway and then takes you back downtown. It was like that start to finish. Because there used to be a lot of nice restaurants and things like that and there. And I think they're still there. But I'm just saying that like start wow. to finish, there were party. There were there was a... Um, those uh, tra- pulled by tractors and people listening to music really loud and drinking and dancing. bicycle the bicycle drinking. thing with the bicycle tap things Ugh. like those were and I hate that. the concept way, just makes me angry all the way that up. sounds kind of fun to me if you can carry your drink around I why would you live there but I would love to visit that but, yeah but see that's all the but I don't know if Nashville was always like that is what sure. I'm saying it, it, I don't think it was and it didn't feel that way whenever if it was I were a local I would be irritated ago. with this constant influx of people all the time too it, the, the, what, from what and again I not been there, but what I've understand the character of Nashville was right now. It looks like uh, uh, a, it struck me as like a spring break club med <laughs> sort of crap place, and uh, that's a shame for something. And whatever New Orleans is like that, but I would argue it is concentrated in a particular yes. area. And also New Orleans has so much culture and so much uh, geographic fascination and so many different things going on and so much lore and madness that. Uh, it has enough character to make up for that. Nashville, I would argue, is in danger of turning into uh, Disney Country Western uh, combined with uh, the Margaritaville in the middle of Las Vegas. Wow. And I'll put this, I saw five different Margaritavilles. There's a good example of in what we're Nashville? Talking. In Nashville, I saw five different Margaritavilles. Oh, that that's, is that's I can't describe it any better than that. That's a perfect way to put it. You yeah. saw when they when they hosted the NFL draft. I mean, the the photos and videos come them, they had people just what a hundred rows deep hanging Just from the rafters lying yeah. on Broadway right there I mean I've, the last time I went to Nashville it was a it was a Sunday morning <clears throat> in March so um, yeah and listen I was very inspired uh, I remember when the Nashville the Predators made the Stanley Cup a couple years ago mm-hmm. it was really cool and they had those, the streets were filled with people I feel like the context of that now is a little bit different I don't know if all those people were dedicated Predators fans you know what they probably know. need in Nashville an El Barrio Probably do. Then El Barrio would be amazing. <laughs> or a pine. That's the segue of a professional broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> but since it is a game weekend um, coming up in just a few days, uh, just wanted to mention our podcast partners, SP2 Hospitality, who owns the Pine, the Root, El Barrio, Pub on Main, and Love at the Pen. Really, if you go there any day, it's probably a good day, and there's probably a special. But uh, Wednesdays, especially at the Root, is uh, Ladies Happy Hour. My wife has actually hosted a couple of those before. And then uh, El Barrio, you really can't go wrong when you take your kids there because we've done this on multiple times because you go in, order the tacos, and you look out in the front lawn and they're playing putt-putt. There's, there's, there's a putting green right there. And so that keeps their attention quite well. Yeah, of course. I'm a fan of the Pub Main because of Wednesday night's uh, whiskey and wings, $10 whiskey and wings special where they have a special pour and five of their wings, which are excellent and well done. Yeah, and... Um, you can pick up your bottle supplies or beer supplies or even cigars at Five Points Bottles. But don't be what, what's don't be a crybaby. Is that the thing? Yeah, don't yeah, be a crybaby. Well, that's been around for like thirty idea. years. Yeah. Right. It was that way when I was in college. When I was in college yeah. and I was underage and kind of thinking about maybe venturing over there, I was scared off because it was no fake IDs, no crybabies. He staple it. He used uh, he used air quotes for thinking about. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it's a story. I, I bought my very first uh, legal six pack at the Five Points mm-hmm. there. Uh, 
I remember how being feeling like such a big boy. Yeah, um, this is definitely the weekend where um, <laughs> uh, definitely the weekend where you make sure you you are properly supplied. It's first one of those. We haven't yeah. had one of those in a while. You got to choose wisely. You don't want to be drinking the bourbon at four o'clock on a Saturday when it's ninety degrees outside. Well, th- well, disagree. Think, yeah, hard disagree. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if Wayne would disagree with you on that one. Well, uh, that but, would be that would be my. Uh, no, it's not. It's not a noon kickoff. Wayne, it'll be I'll fine. Say, Wayne, it'll be fine. Yeah. So I will say this is a, uh, a and we all perform poorly at Nickel State. Let's yeah, be clear. Yeah, about that's that. true. That's true. That was a bad game. He, he yeah, Wayne was the equivalent of the way that Georgia played that game, and, and yet still somehow survived. And somehow survived. Actually, Wayne Wayne was lucky. He doesn't remember a lot of that game. Yeah. Much of the way the people whose boats sank don't remember the Georgia State-Tennessee game. I will say that I saw such a kind side of my friend Tony that day as I walked out into the foyer and saw Wayne sitting struggling with the heat. And uh, and Tony holding holding water for him and l- looking warily at the countdown clock for the game start, wondering yeah. how long ha- do I have to stay here until and make sure that he lives but without missing kickoff. You know, I had just met Wayne that that morning, I had you. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, you know Wayne. And Wayne will tell you he would be the first to admit that that was a, a a woefully embarrassing moment for him. And my son remembers that day because he basically got all the dip and dots he wanted. So <laughs> and whatever, and like this, I obviously I have nothing but love for Wayne. Yeah, we've been there. And, 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 and if, if this happened every time, if, if it literally any other time <laughs> I've seen Wayne, I would be like, oh, this guy has a serious problem. I shouldn't joke about this. The reason that you're able to bring it up is because it happened once. Yeah, and it's happened once to all of us, and me maybe sometimes more than once. Um, one thing I would say about Vanderbilt uh, to kind of close on that that we talked about a lot at the tailgate. Was it really felt like kind of a good little uh, at bat swing for Notre Dame to kind of get used to? Obviously, it was a road game, so it wasn't quite the same. But it was still a night game. You kind of had to pace yourself a little bit. Notre Dame is going to, particularly if it's hot. We don't know if the weather's going to be like that. But if but if it is hot, Notre Dame is going to. There's going to be some casualties by that game, by the time that game starts. Uh, interestingly, the Murray State game on the field is going to be a little closer to what we'll see with Notre Dame because of their their offense. I mean, I think I've heard saw it described as more of an air raid. It's, it is more of a fun and gun. Well, they uh, scored 59 points in their opener. Yeah, so they're they cl- uh, something called Pike Pikeville at AI school. Right. Think about what they're dealing with. Last week they opened up. They played on a Thursday night. Against Pikeville, yeah, something that plays uh, Reinhardt College, which is out of Waleska, Georgia, mm-hmm. and then their next game is the number three ranked team in FBS, and they're an F- FCS school, so it's like they're leaning on the low end, and then they're going to the high end, and I think there were about nine thousand people at their game on Thursday night. Yeah. Now this is not entirely dissimilar. <laughs> to what Georgia State will be going through next week. They have Furman, mm-hmm. and that's like a big step up in competition after the game that they just kind of had to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. They did score a bunch of points. Uh, Preston Rice is their quarterback. He was their third leading rusher. His line wasn't spectacular. It was fine at 20 of 31 for 170 yards. He also threw two picks in the game that they scored 50-something points. So clearly they got a lot of touches. But, I mean, you know, he, he ran for 11 yards and 69 uh, 11 times for 69 yards. You think about what N. Book did last night against Louisville. Um, that's not that dissimilar from his line. I mean, N. Book was like 13 rushes for 74 or 5 yards, something in the neighborhood of 20 of 30, uh, 20 of 33 or 4 for 200 and something yards. Um, frankly, if you watch that game, you kind of feel a little heartened about the way Louisville moved the ball and not, not also disheartened with the way that – 
Uh, Notre Dame did struggle at times, and Louisville turned the ball over three times, and that was only a four, what fourteen point ball game. Yeah, and that could have turned a couple of times. Yeah, so, yeah. The quarterback was carrying the ball like it was a loaf of bread. Yeah, he was. Uh, my wife described it as he's Michael Vick without ball. Oh, that's right. He, he did look yeah. like Michael Vick the way he used to yeah. kind of hold the ball out and yeah. dare people to. Yeah. Barely knock it out of his hand, but, he, for, but they didn't because Michael right. Vick was Michael Vick. <laughs> yes, well, yeah. Um, you, you insert your own dog joke pun there. Yeah, sorry. But you know, I, the, I feel like for the record, I feel like going right saying Michael Vick has maybe we can uh, still hate him, but all you could possibly ask of a person to do uh-huh. since that incident has happened, he continues to advocate. Absolutely, in, he spoke yeah. in front of Congress just a couple of weeks ago, like. Whatever your thoughts about he Congress. Paid, he paid his penance. I mean, you could argue that's not enough, and you still hate him. I think that's totally reasonable. I literally had an argument with my wife's gynecologist while she was giving birth to <laughs> oh. my son, Wynn. Well, Got to be so, honest. I have yeah. no idea where that was going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> while, was this about Michael Vick or yes. just a general argument? Literally about Michael Vick. It was okay. literally about Michael Vick while my wife was giving, literally in the process of giving birth to my youngest son. I can see Will... Well, so by the no, way, I was, also, try, I was trying to pet up because she is a big dog lover, and she had read, I, wrote a, I wrote a cover story for GQ about yeah. Michael Vick like five or six years ago, and she's like, "I saw your story. Can we talk about your story of Michael Vick?" And I said, "Now," <laughs> and she's like, "Oh yeah, nothing's happening for a while. <laughs> it's fine." <laughs> so well, anyway, sorry for that tangent. You know, if you had um, Will discussing. Michael Vick with his wife's gynecologist yes. in your bingo pool. Obstetrician. You're a big winner this I think time. she's an obstetrician. Well, it's, she's not there. It's all the <laughs> same to us. That's <laughs> yeah, um, true. Because we're morons. <laughs> morons. <laughs> um, How did we get here? So Murray stay. <laughs> Michael Vick. Speaking of Murray, what's her name, Murray? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I was going to point out one interesting thing. I was doing a little digging on Murray State today. And they have a redshirt senior wide receiver. He wears number 81. His name's Brian Sanchez. And this is his first year playing football at the collegiate level. He was an uh, all-state football basketball player in Florida. However, he played on the Murray State basketball team okay. for wow. four years. Murray State was awesome. Yes. Yeah. When they played, uh, he played eight minutes and got two rebounds in the 12-5 upset of Marquette in the NCAA Sweet. tournament. Early this so he's John, Mar- he's John Moran's teammate. He was yeah, John Moran's yeah, teammate. Yeah. That's awesome. And he scored his first touchdown on Saturday. He's six foot eight, so he went to try to dunk the ball. He didn't dunk it like Tony <laughs> Gonzalez. And then his uh, head coach, Mitch Stewart, in the post game, he's kind of deadpan like Nick Saban, okay. uh, the way he speaks and his uh, kind of cadence of, of speaking. And he was quoted as saying, if you're going to do the dunk on the field goal thing, you better at least try to make it over the bar. Because yeah. a uh, reporter had asked him about that. And then they're really going to try to use him to where the coach said, a guy 6'8", he should never catch a ball that's below his eyebrows. So <laughs> when you're trying to scout a FCS school, Murray State, a team that actually has talent on offense and can move the ball, you're sitting there wondering, like, hey, who's going to match up with a six foot eight former NCAA basketball player at the split-in position? Um, I don't know if Georgia has many cornerbacks that are going to be able to match up with this. So that, that's a potential mismatch against the dog's defense. It certainly seems like a play where Murray State might just throw it up and see what happens. Right. Yes, the right. problem is, is by the time the ball lands, <clears throat> it will be three dudes under <laughs> all going, going for it. I like that, by the way, that the coach is deadpan like Nick Saban, mm-hmm. not bedpan like Hugh Freeze. There you go. Oh, that's two. <laughs> we went from gynecology to bedpans. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you brought Hugh Freeze up because I did want to briefly talk about that. Yes, I will talk about that as long I, as you like. Um, the more I thought about it, the more I realized 
What a freaking selfish thing to do. Honestly. I totally I mean, agree. I mean, look. I, I'm glad he's okay. A staph infection is no joke. That's yeah. serious. Well, it's a serious illness. Consider the infections he could have. <laughs> you so. said it. You said it. Are you talking about him or Jerry Falwell Jr.? Are we sure? Are we talking about gardeners and swim those instructors? Are the still? same. We're talking okay. about Tampa okay. massage parlors. Sorry, um, but. So Murray State, <laughs> yeah, I'm like all over the place. We need the SEC games to start again. Um, well, I did, you know, you did talk about um, uh, what's his name, Brian, right? Yeah, Sanchez. Yeah. Um, I mean, they did throw the ball to six uh, women, two, four, six, eight, nine guys. So they spread the ball around. I mean, it's Pikeville, but they still spread the ball around, um, and nobody had more than six catches. So uh, that's going to be Rodney Castile that. He's going to be his first target out of the, the end zone. Smaller, but also fast. Um, but I mean, really, I mean, okay. So we're, we're uh, can we, can we, can we, we're, we're done with the Murray State scouting report now, right? Are we, are we mostly done? Because I think it's probably time to talk about what we're going to get at Georgia here. Do right? you think we can work in some more Hugh Freeze jokes? <laughs> yes, I don't okay. know. To me, you know, what, uh, <clears throat> what's fascinating, it's hard to find anything fascinating about this game other than that, uh, you know, I mean, the, we talked about the issues with the first game. Uh, the the penalties I think was the main thing, uh, but did, did you see any havoc plays? Yeah, how many would you have said havoc? Because that was one of the big uh, components that Kirby was talking about in the offseason. I, th- I feel like the quarterback was rushed on yeah. half the half the. Passes. So maybe maybe I'm misinterpreting havoc plays. I'm ha- I'm thinking havoc you're thinking plays actual turnovers, and tackle, tackle for loss, uh, yeah. sacks. Yeah. Well, I mean, you bring up a good point. I mean, there is an actual definition of havoc plays that get. It ends up in the box score, but those are very specific, and frankly, they are subjective, right? A quarterback hurry, an actual quarterback hurry, right, right where the quarterback right. has to move. You know, pass breakup, that's easy to quantify. Interception, that's easy to quantify. See, that's what I was interpreting it as. I remember thinking, especially in the second half, they were only doing two- and three-step drops, and they were really trying to get the ball out of there fast, uh, especially when Georgia ramped up the pressure a little bit. He was off kilter the whole time. Um I'm going to say Vandy had something like 140 yards in the first half, 150 yards. No, it had more than that. They had two two drops of 70 or thereabouts. So they probably had 170 yards. They had just a shade over 100 in the second half with three more drives. Well, and holding Keyshawn Vaughn to 74 yards. That's huge. I mean, he still huge. made some moves, by the yeah, way. Like, he yeah, earned every one of those 74 he, yards. Uh, he's going to embarrass somebody this season. I hope it's Tennessee. <laughs> Is Tennessee beneath embarrassment now at this point? Well, I hope he embarrasses them more. Yeah. Um, I think part of the push to discuss having plays really does revolve around the youth in the defensive backfield and really wants to focus on making teams uncomfortable with feeling like uh, quarterbacks in particular can survey the field. I mean, we saw what, for example, Kellen Mond was able to do um, against Texas State Tarleton or whoever it was they play, Texas State, I think. He was able to take some time. Where, frankly, we you make Felipe Franks nervous He's liable to throw <laughs> anywhere. Uh, anywhere. <laughs> and we saw with Jared what happens when he is uncomfortable in the pocket. Of course, South Carolina lives in Bentley, and it brings up a point I do want to ask. Um, that And this is not – I want to answer this question now, but there are now three divisions that seem eminently like an easy path, SEC East, Big Ten West, and the, SEC, uh, the Pac-12 South. And then the entire ACC. 
Well, I'm, well, it's just Clemson, right? Yeah, but no, um, this is like the Big Twelve, or the Big Ten West, to Illinois, right? Like it's right. the same, like it's like it's obvious, right? Well, I mean, you know, the path is clear the, for them. The, yeah, it is. It is clear for them. Thank I'm, you. I'm not unwilling to call them the second best team in that division. Um, but you know, I'm probably unwilling to do that. But yeah, thank well, you. <laughs> uh, I would say that was pandering. Actually, the um, when you start talking about havoc plays. I think the everyday fan wants to see a quarterback getting blown up. They want to see a running back getting brought down in the backfield. They want to see um, I literally was counting those and getting yeah. concerned that I right. was not seeing that. I did go back and look at a couple of plays yesterday because I remember feeling in the second half we had more pressure. I know we we had we, we did stunt a little more and blitz a little more, but we kept them off balance in their passing game the entire second half. And frankly – a three and out because your quarterback's throwing the ball away on first down, trying to hit somebody on a crossing route and can't get the ball to, to him uh, because he can't, he doesn't allow the drag route to set up on second down. And then third down, they're going deep and having to, you know, basically throw a prayer. That's still a win, right? Because you're getting the ball back, you're turning it back over. Now, is it sexier to get uh, one of those big sacks? Yeah, I'd love to see a sack. Yeah, the Ojolari and Rice combo sack. Right, exactly. That's yeah. a great point. I'd love to see that. But if we're making quarterbacks, especially on teams that are focused on getting the ball out of the pocket fast, if we're making them speed that up past what their their timeline is, that's a win to me. I find that interesting that, I mean, to me, I find it hard to question too much that the defense did in Vanderbilt. Because particularly, I think they're going to score more points against some other teams than yeah. we think. I think that, uh, again, I, I know I joked about this in the postgame show, but, I mean, Vanderbilt might not be the second-best team in the SEC East, but they might be the third or fourth, and we'll see. I feel like Missouri's yeah. going to come back around a little bit, but... I mean, they kept them on the end zone. They scored 14 on them last year. Yeah, so, and, and, and but to me, also, I don't think Vanderbilt has that bad of a defense, and I think there's been some concerns about Georgia's offense in that game. So everybody drink. Here's your Seth Emerson quote. He had a great piece uh, today about Jake Fromm and how often Jake Fromm is, in fact, checking himself out of a pass play, yeah. a pass play and a Heisman consideration. And he talked about that after the game. Fromm said that, oh, yeah, sure, we probably, the play was called to be a pass or a called to be down the field, and I saw something, and I checked out, and I, and I audibled. And I think Fromm has more than earned and deserves the freedom to be able to do that. But I think that's worth keeping in mind when we get really obsessed about Coley, and we get obsessed on what we're going to get with Coley and what you're going to see with Coley. A lot of the stuff is from who, for the record, has been here Long as Coley, if not longer than Coley, clearly he's a guy that everybody trusts to be able. I don't think he made bad decisions. To me, the only concerns with the offense were those third and shorts, were those kind of idea that, mm-hmm. like, the and whatever, it's a minor concern. I do not think they're gonna, not going to be able to blast people off the line, generally speaking, Vanderbilt included. If they were to play them later in the year and it was a big game, I trust that they're going to be able to blast them off the line. I think, as I said in the show, on the postgame show, I think it's impossible if you're a player to look at the coaches all take a collective step back when you're up 21-0 and not be like, all right, fine, fine. I'm just going to I'm gonna save it myself. I think it's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think saying that like, well, what's wrong with the offensive line? It's possible that they were up 30-3 to at the 27-3 to at the time and weren't sweating it too much. I think that's a fair thing to say. Well, and part of it, as to your first point about um, from Kirby, actually acknowledged that in his press conference today, that um, they, you know, he, I think he used the term. He said, "Jake has freedom to yeah. call plays, and, and, and he, he certainly should, and he does." To get to your second point, I saw an analysis today, and I don't remember where it was. It did break down 
what we talked about, the, you know, I, I would call it a jumbo package, but you know, whatever you want to call it, basically you have two tight ends and, and two running backs. Um, that Georgia was far less efficient running the ball out of those sets. And if you look, that's when we, we ran those on third and whatever. I'm okay with doing that sometimes. I, I hope, and this is some wish casting on my part, I hope that what we saw last year, which I think was wholly Kirby, right? I do not think it was Cheney saying, yeah, we're going to man ball here. We're going to man ball here. Because that doesn't, frankly, we tried it again today or this week. Um, and Cheney was in Knoxville not scoring enough points to beat Georgia State. But um, the, uh, I think, I mean, right? I mean, how many it's, I mean, it's evergreen. I want scientific notation yes. to be able to mock how many times that we, yes. we use. Um, I, I, I mean, many. for the record, I've been talking about how much I love Georgia State for years on this show. So, like, this is my moment, man. Yeah, Will is a noted Georgia State. <laughs> I have a Ron Hunter bobblehead. That's their basketball coach. I have a Ron. I knew <laughs> that. Just making sure. He's RJ Hunter's dad. Anyway, uh, like, I love me some Georgia State. So, so good place. Sorry, go ahead. Go well, ahead. And, and all I was saying is that. It would be surprising but disappointing if we don't show that look at some point this season on third and short or even fourth and short and break out of it. And the minimum costs the other team a timeout because they're not prepared for it because it's it's easy to see on, on plays where we spread the field out even just a little bit. We can make running room because, frankly, we have the talent to do that. Andrew Thomas as a pulling uh, – I'm sorry, and not Andrew Thomas. Um, who's the right guard? Cleveland. Is, uh, was it Ben? Yeah. Uh, as a pulling right guard, as a terror, right? And for that matter, you talked about the Eli Wolf uh, double block, right? He basically took on two guys and sealed the edge. It's Yeah, it's incredible. I frankly think we're a better team. It's going to make some fan, George fans mad. We're better offense when we spread out a little bit. I'm not talking about letting Mike Leach get a hold of the playbook and sling the ball all over the yard, but I am saying that when you give yourself closer to the full 50-something yards across to get – the two yards up the field, you increase your chances with the talent Georgia has, even when you're talent on talent. Because, you, frankly, the problem is, it's like when you bunch everybody in, it's almost impossible to get hat on hat um, just because you can only put five or six guys in the space you want to go. Well, they can put eight because they can stack them up. You know, after that first drive and the couple of long throws and then the touchdown throw to Robertson, I was so tempted to tweet hashtag air raid to Will. But I knew it was still a little bit premature. And, of course, it definitely came out more balanced after yeah, that. Yeah, we definitely but. did not get our error. No, uh, no. But, which is fine, which is fine. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I was, we were talking at – we were watching the game at the lake with my dad and my sister-in-law, who was a very happy Auburn fan after, uh, after that, and my wife. And my dad was, had been asking, what do you think is going to happen? I said, well, it's, it feels like – it feels like this could be a game where we jump out to lead and just like sit on them. And then we start doing that. And um, Chris is like, what did you predict the score to be? I was like, I want to say like 34 to 10 or something. <laughs> so I was very happy. I wish, yeah. wish I'd done that well uh, in the free, in the fun office pools, but you know, whatever. We'll I got get, plenty we'll of weeks. That. I got plenty of weeks. Coming okay. Up. So a couple more things just kind of reflect back on the game, what we might see moving forward. One of the big things we talked about all preseason was, uh, the wide receivers and who was going to step out, who was going to like, oh, is Pickens going to be the guy? Pickens did not have a catch. He almost had a touchdown. He, he tried. Had, yeah. He tried. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not saying they're not going to target him. But more to the point, I mean, 
we all thought, okay, Demetrius Robinson is going to be, like, you know, we're going to see Robertson get um, more this year because he couldn't possibly get less. He right. Have a catch last year. Uh, he had more touches than anyone other than Prom. Like, yeah. that's kind of, uh, it's anyone other than the running backs, excuse me. And, like, that is, I think, of note that the idea, I think that not only, whatever you, th- it speaks a little bit to Robertson, but I would argue it speaks more to kind of, this is kind of what you want from an offensive staff, right? To be able to go from a dude that was on the team last year that didn't get a catch to be the guy that gets targeted the most in the next game. And it still doesn't feel weird. It doesn't feel like like the offense is dramatically different. I think that speaks to the depth and it speaks to the kind of the flexibility. Of the By game. the way, anybody doubts him that Jake Fromm can throw the ball that way, that, that far, that was a beautiful pass 53 yards yeah, down the field. Yeah, yeah. Like perfect over the shoulder, hit him in stride. Classic Fromm-Bunner pass. It is a classic Fromm-Bunner pass. He never even turned around. He just did this and caught yeah. the ball. And it came back for holding, and that was the next play. It was a drag route um, out of the slot. Sorry, Scott. No, no, no. I was just going to say that Kirby kind of has you conditioned to almost get as excited seeing your receiver seal someone off, you know, mm-hmm. 10, 15 yards downfield, staying with him yeah. because he knows that Swift or Harriet or mm-hmm. Cook is coming right by him. You even saw that on Cook's touchdown run. Yeah. I mean, Wolf had a good block. You'll look at him, but then look at uh, whoever the, the wide receiver was, was also doing his job. And I mean, that's the poetry in motion, I think, of what we're going to see. And after hearing y'all twice, once on the post game and then tonight, I feel a little bit better because, you know me, I'm self admitted. I'm more of a Munson. We talked about that yeah. before. And after talking to y'all, I, I kind of realized I subscribe to your theory of just sitting on it, even though in the moment I was getting a little bit frustrated. And it's, it's, it also wasn't it. that fun to watch, right? No, like no. it's also worth and keeping in mind. Yeah, yeah is that like the second half of this game no, was right. not actually that much fun to watch. No. And whatever, it is not Kirby Smart's job to entertain, to entertain us. us in the second half of blowouts. It is his job to win football games, which he's clearly doing. He's clearly setting himself to win future up to win future football games. But you're right. I mean, it is. I mean, we we. I will put it this way: heading into the Virginia game next year, the, the opening day, I am not going to be like, "Ooh, wouldn't it be fun if they did an air raid?" It's not happening. Yeah. It's not happening. <laughs> You've it's, learned. Yeah, it's not happening, and uh, and that's fine. And I get it. And I and I think it's probably smart. But like, this is the trade-off, right? It's like the smart thing is not always the most fun thing. And I think to get macro on you for a moment, it's another example of why last year was not quite as much fun as two years ago was. There was a sense of discovery. Last year felt like a, we are the targeted rather than going on the vengeful tour. Now you are, to you, to, to uh, uh, bring it to a risk analogy, you are protecting territory yeah. rather than you are advancing upon territory. They'll still advance on Tennessee this year, though. <laughs> yeah. If there's a game you run it, it is <laughs> definitely Tennessee. Where you run. Boy, that would be fun. Uh, it would be fun to see him so, get so like a Spurrier on. For Tennessee. To get a Spurrier on for that. I don't I honestly do not believe it is in Kirby Smart's personality. No. no. no but no, no, no. it would be fun. Well, I don't know. I don't, it's, I, it's Pruitt. It, it is Pruitt. It's Pruitt, but like It's Cheney, it's Rocker. If there's it's Shearer. If there's ever a time right he'll do now? If there's ever a time I'll do it, but I just, I just, I just don't. I think this is something that we should stop. I don't think there's any bad blood between Smart and Rocker and Shearer and you know Pruitt. There might not be bad blood uh, with 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 Cheney. I mean, there might not be bad yeah. blood with Cheney. Right? Like we want there to be bad blood with Cheney, but there might not be. Uh, so I don't think he's going to do it. But if he were to ever do it, it would probably be that. 
and think of it this way, and you hit on this just a little bit, is that you know the first three drives were so exciting. It is almost like when you show up at a buffet and you hit the fried shrimp and the the prime rib first, and it's like. And, and then you yes. have. You I then, care about this mushroom then, wrap. Then you have some. Yeah, then you have some banana pudding. It's like, oh, I don't think the stuffed portobello is my thing. Yeah. But frankly, we had to eat some stuffed portobello too, right? I mean, that's just that's it's a food analogy because yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it. And the other part is the. It's it's not it's not dissatisfaction, the letdown of seeing the same six or eight plays run. Um, because I, I was very excited when we were on defense because we were, frankly, owning them. Something the would happen, round. right. Right, something could happen there. But I knew what was going to happen. We were going to run the ball. If we scored a touchdown, run yeah. the ball, it was going to be fine. But we weren't going to go – we weren't going to take strikes down the field. Um, which, yeah, I became resolved I'm okay with that because yeah. they weren't going to score – they certainly weren't going to score 21 points. Yeah. And, frankly, if they had gotten – I think if they had scored another touchdown – We'd have taken rappers off another toy sure, yeah, and right. scored another touchdown. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. Right. It, was, it was also good to see uh, Cager, uh, the transfer. He had the longest reception yeah. game, thirty-eight yard reception. Yeah, you know, just to get him feeling like he's contributing already for uh, a you know a new team, but it's the same coordinator because he was yeah. recruited by Coley and uh, when Coach Richt was was down there. And we're speaking of Kyrus Jackson, he did break his hand on that fumble. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, and that's another thing. I, I was reminding my dad, who was freaking out a little bit, like. Remember, Georgia lost a fumble inside the five on the pass that he was just trying to get to the end zone. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's hard to imagine we would not have scored a touchdown there. Yeah. Um, but he How did break his he hand. Be out? I, they think he's going to be back in a couple of weeks with the, one of those club things. But he's a receiver. What do you, receiver. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. He can't whack the dude from the head right. and then run away. Um, Mike the dude that had to run away. <laughs> Too bad he's not playing this um, Brody Ascension. That's what I do with my clubs. What do you guys do with your clubs? Right. Um, last thing, last thing, a little special teams moment. Uh, I will say uh, Jordan Davis had that bl- that block that wasn't a block. It feels like to me Jordan Davis is going to be a dude that he's is going to block yeah. a lot of kicks this year. Yeah. Because uh, he's perfect because he's huge and he's tall. He's got a huge span. Like that's – like it, he, he feels like a guy – that is an automatic, you know. Ever since they made it illegal to do the thing where you jump in the, you you jump on the guy's back and go up in the middle, he feels like a guy that doesn't have to jump on the guy's back to no. do that, and uh, that that's going to come up several times this year because most kickers, even on good teams, are not good. Like most kickers are, are even if they're able to go a long way, like the NFL kickers can kick it sixty yards. Kicks your field goal and also have it go straight up really high. Most kickers, if they're going to go a long distance in the college realm, are going to have to go, have to going to have to get that low angle. So uh, he's going to block a lot of kicks this year. And also, uh, we forgot to mention that Andrew Thomas wins offensive lineman of the week, uh-huh. and Hot Rod wins special teams player of the week. Yeah, uh, give me the, thirteen of them. Yeah, for the record, uh, my postulate that that we might have a Hot Rod problem at the end of the last year does not seem to have borne out. He looked he as was awesome pure as awesome. He on was all of those. perfect. Like he was, he was what he was until the last two games last year. He was absolutely perfect. I'm a little disappointed he didn't have all touchbacks, but yeah. uh, you hit you hit a couple of fifty yarders. I'll forget that. I mean, yeah, pure is exact. I mean, they were just no, bad. Yeah, that's right the first thing I looked at when he lined up with that fifty yarder. You know, I'm kind of going, oh, if we missed. Yeah, here. I didn't have a pucker moment because I'm like, oh, Will's all in my head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought of Will when he was lining up, and then he nailed it right between yeah. the uprights. So I have postulates that have yet to even make it to theory. Oh, you haven't even mentioned mentioned them yet. Yeah. So uh, Saturday. Something special is going to happen. They're going to name the field for Coach Dooley, where they've already named it, but they're going to do the ceremony 
for uh, Vince Dooley. Tony, you kind of go way back with Coach Dooley. You always reference Miss Barbara and, and that. What is what is uh, naming the field while he's still here with us? Because uh, Miss Barbara turns 80 on Saturday, I saw. Hey, oh, Miss Barbara, it's her know birthday. That. He's joking. Know he knows you're 61. <laughs> um, but, uh, so what are your thoughts on all this? There's a long internal university politics involving Vince Dooley and why his statue is literally as far away as it can be and still be on campus, right? Uh, if you don't know where the university, where the statue of Vince Dooley is, it's literally at the corner of Lumpkin. It's the track. It's and, right by the track. Yeah. It's, it's the Smith Street that's there. Yeah. Um, no, it's, at, it's past Smith Street. Yeah. Like, it's at the track. It's farther away from Smith It's Street. the one that goes by um, uh, Barrow right. Elementary. Between yeah. Barrow and Budsmere Hall. Yeah. Right. And, you know, when it was placed there, it was like, well, it's by Budsmere Hall. It sh- frankly, it should be at the Plaza at Tate. Um, but that's neither here nor there. There was a lack of political will within the state, I guess that's the right way of saying it, to fight the battle um, until Brian Kemp was elected governor, who Brian Kemp's a close friend of the Dooley's, of course, the University of Georgia graduate. And, and it, Dooley was a supporter of his campaign. Dooley was a supporter of his campaign. And it became a very simple thing to make happen once some of the politics cleared up. Um, so, for the, uh, by the way, just in case people are listening and waiting for me to do something, I am very pro this idea. And I, I yeah, no. Think, and for it, what look, it's worth, I actually think Brian Kemp's been a little bit more interesting and a better governor than I thought he was going yeah. to be so far. But we have time to go ahead with that. Anyway, so, I'm done with that now. No longer think that I'm cringing. I am for everything. Will's a Republican. Yeah, no, we didn't say that. <laughs> but just know, just know that everything that Tony just, is saying, I agree with. Particularly right. all the wonderful stuff about Miss <laughs> Barbara, who I love to death. Will just <laughs> down his leg. Yeah. Um, so. That you should write that time down. <laughs> yeah. the, um, I will. The, so, I mean, I think what it means for most fans my age and older, and I'm 50, uh, I, came, I came to the University of Georgia in 1986. I certainly was cognizant of, my, the first game I was cognizant of was, I think it was 77 Kentucky game. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember Vince Dooley before we won a national championship hmm. under him. And the thing that you have to remember about Vince Dooley is that, Vince Dooley legitimately took a Georgia program that was moribund and made it relevant again in the SEC. And we had won a championship in the 40s. Um, in the, as we got into the 50s and then the, the early 60s, it, we were a little bit of a joke of a program. We were the foil for the Saturday night, uh, the Saturday evening post. Were right. we the yeah. Tennessee of like the, the current? We size? were, uh, t- the, well, we you were, were the Cubs. We were the, maybe we were the Cubs, right? But we, you know, we were, I mean, Wally Butts was supposedly the one on the other end of the phone line when Furman Fisher or somebody heard him telling Bear Bryant the plays were going to run. Um, so, you know, that was, um, you know, Vince Dooley came in and changed that. He improved. The, the facilities in a way that they had not been even bothered to be improved. Um, and frankly, he modeled the program on what he saw under Joel Eves at Auburn because he had played at Auburn and had been assistant coach and the JV coach at Auburn. And what he did in his 25 years as coach in a solid, what, 10 more years as AD, including hiring Mark Richt, which I think there's a direct through line to what we're enjoying today. Um, I know there are people that don't like this theory, I don't think there's any chance you have a Kirby Smart without a Mark Richt. I mean that in both the good way in that he elevated both the profile of the program and the recruiting of the program and how the program is viewed, and also in the negative way because I don't know that I don't know that Kirby Smart comes to coach the University of Georgia if he's not in a situation where he can, he can improve on something. He can improve on something, right? Because frankly, he didn't have to. I think you have to be blinded by 
dislike of Rick to not see how he elevated the program mm-hmm. to make a Kirby Smart happen. Agree. Um, and also, the record almost won a national championship a couple of times. Yep. Let's not forget that either. Yeah. Yeah, he, so you know, which is something that Kirby Smart has also done. Almost won a national championship a couple of times. You know, there, there would have been time I would have thought Mark Rick would have had a statue because I thought he would have a national championship, yeah. whether he does or not. Um, I, I, for the record, is, I love Mark Rick. I do not think that Mark Rick should get a statue. Oh, just, no, just I, and I think I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so naming the field is long overdue, in my opinion. I don't think we should rename the stadium. I think naming the field is exactly the right way to go with this. Um, that's very common these days. It's very common these yeah, days. Like it's Lil Hanson Court at, at State Farm Center. Right. Uh, Gene Katie Court at uh, Mackey yeah. Arena. It's yeah. a very common. Didn't uh, Florida State name the field after Bobby Bowden? I think it's so. Still yeah. Heck, even Hamlet. the Oakland A's, it's Ricky Henderson Field. Is it really? It is. It's Ricky oh, Henderson wow. Field, um, which is actually the coolest of all of these. So if you're, if you're coming to this game, get there early. Be there. Let's fill the stands up for, for Coach Rick and Miss Barbara. I'm sorry, Coach, Coach Dooley, Dooley and Miss Barbara. Barbara. I mean, Coach Rick won't be there. He'll be teaching fumbles. On he TV. will be doing very wacky things he, on the ACC Network. He lives his life like there's not cameras on him. And <laughs> I I'm, I'm say, here for that. Oh, totally. That was one of my questions who, in the end. Who would have thought that? I was going to say, gonna say buy who, or sell Coach Rick living the best life on the ACC Network. Who would have freaking thought that? If you haven't seen him diagram how to recover a fumble, yeah. Pull that up on, on This YouTube. is a bigger conversation that I don't want to distract yeah. from the Dooley thing. No, I, I'm done with the Dooley thing. I'm yeah. just saying, get there early, guys. Get there Showing early. how to recover fumbles. Yeah, and I, I will say this, again, coming from the outside perspectives. One of the, and I wrote about, remember I wrote about this in my big Sports on Earth piece about uh, preview before the SEC championship game two years ago. Uh, what it's like, one of the things that made me fall in love with Athens and fall in love with Georgia sports in general was this idea that, sure, these things are always cutthroat and college football has all sorts of problems uh, from, the, from the bottom up, uh, no question. Uh, but like that idea... Um, I, I've told the story before, but like I'm at a random holiday party uh, in uh, just outside Five Points, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I look over and there's uh, Dooley and Miss Barbara uh, just over in the corner um, with, with some pie. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I had met uh, Barbara before because I was on her radio show when she used to have a radio show. It was probably the most my wife has ever been attracted to me <laughs> is when I was uh, I was promoting God Save the Fan, my book from two books ago, and. Uh, I was on her radio show, and this was around the time when everyone was just yelling at me about Deadspin all the time, and she was as sweet as you would expect her to be and completely awesome. And uh, and he, there is something about, uh, I'll put it this way, there's not a lot of coaches where uh, um, you talk about their wife kind of hand in hand with everything they've kind of done. Uh, anytime you mention a wife, coach's wife, usually it's usually something negative. It's usually something that's not positive. I think that clearly you saw their relationship and how kind of hand in hand they've been from the get go. Uh, it's a it's a great thing, man. And uh, I have no, uh, I got no problem. I, I, I mean, it's hard to find legends like this, and it's going to be harder. Yeah. In the years to come, to find people, I mean, I think people have made the notion before that, like in today's game, would Vince Dooley had even been allowed to his fifth or sixth year to be able to figure out this program? You've seen this across the board with a lot of these old coaches. They needed the time to be able to do it, and we don't give that time anymore. And so, therefore, it's hard to find legends. It's hard to how many how many of the last uh, ten fifteen. Uh, national championship coaches are even still not only not still with the program, but left 
in because they were fired or there was some sort of disgrace or there was some sort of ugly thing. To have that is a very, very special thing. And uh, it's something that uh, I, I feel lucky to be able to be at least a very small part of. All right, you got some stuff for us. I got, I got. Are you a gonna lot. buy, sell some hashtags? I didn't get my Justin Fields rant. I'm gonna hold on my Justin Fields rant. I have a big Justin Fields. When do you want to do that? Rant to uncork. When do you want to do that? Well, we don't have. We'll do it. We'll we'll do it next week's Arkansas State. We're gonna need stuff to talk okay. about. We'll do that next week. Per your suggestion from last week, we will put fun office pools at the end. Okay. Remember how that we just yeah. kind of messed all the vibe up uh, with that. But We're I've got. Do that. I haven't done flash pools. Yet. So real quick, before we jump into buy or sell. I wanted to make an announcement or let Tony make an announcement about Eastside Eats. Uh, we mentioned this about, I don't know, two months ago, but we are raffling ourselves off. <laughs> we are. For the record, men. I live in a perpetual raffling of myself. <laughs> we are men for hires. Um, yeah, so we, uh, my wife is the, um, I guess the, she's on the board of the YWCO, which is on Research Drive in Athens, and one of their big fundraisers for their girls' club, which is a summer girls' program is Eastside Eats, and this year the three of us are auctioning at dinner in the silent auction. That will be September 29th. It will be in the afternoon. It's a Sunday. That is the off weekend at the YWCO. Um, my wife tells me that there will be a way to bid on this without actually having to be present. Um, she has, as of yet, provided the information how to do that. We will get that to you at the minimum um, on the website, uh, but hopefully we'll be able to announce that. But just to, just to let you know that if you're in Athens, just come to Eastside Eats. The tickets are relatively inexpensive. Um, you can tweet me or you can reach out to the YWCO uh, in Athens. And, and you'll have the opportunity to try food at uh, try food from uh, various Eastside establishments. Um, and they will, you know, basically it's, it's a food. Uh, it's a, what's it called? Like, um, I'm trying to think. It's it literally they have all the you know, the like a taste samples. of East Side. Taste of East Side. Thank you. Right. That's the that's exactly what I was looking for. Um, there is a cork pool. Last year there was a bottle of pappies in it. Uh, I did not get the bottle of pappies. I think <laughs> I got a bottle of cold duck and <laughs> the. Uh, but it's the, okay. yeah, it's just it's fine. It does the th- it does the trick. Yeah. So it makes the demons be quiet. It makes the demons. <laughs> it, it makes the demons happy. Um, so that's September 29th, and if you're so inclined, hopefully we'll have information on how to bid uh, very soon. Okay, and another mention, uh, I listened to it today, but Will was a guest on West Blankenship's new podcast called Look Alive Podcast. I enjoyed that. So I'll have his you? first guest? Uh, I don't know if I was his first guest, but because you know, I, I started doing the Sunday night show. Uh, like whatever they ask me to do it, the Sunday night show, West West's yeah. show, it's like sports extra or something. Yeah, I've seen you on that. And uh, so he started asking me to do it, and uh, uh, I have to like totally like frantically research like Falcons linebackers uh, before the game because I don't really pay that much attention to that Wait, stuff. Are you doing live? You're doing live hits at eleven forty five on no, Sundays. You don't do the live hit. You do you tape it at like eight, and then they run it oh, after. Okay. I've only done a couple, but uh, who are you there with, George Foster? Weren't you there with George Foster? One I think time? so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Former, you going, former line. You're not, are you going to Atlanta? Uh, well, it usually turns out when I'm already like Wes will ask me to do it, and if oh, I'm okay. already in yeah, Atlanta, yeah, I okay. will do it. I think I've, I've caught, gone after a couple of Atlanta United games and had to stop drinking in the second after halftime yeah. to make sure I can go on. Yeah. But yeah, so we t- we taped that before one of my uh, appearances. Okay, on there. So so for the record, already I, I already regret some of it because a lot of it was like, listen, a lot of people are very excited about Kirby Smart in Georgia, but keep in mind that first game could be it. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, don't, don't listen to me. About anything, but it was fun. That you know, Wes is a good guy, and uh, he's a UGA guy, obviously. And uh, 
Um, uh, yeah, that, that, that's there, there's that going on. But uh, yeah, I mean, we only scored Vanderbilt nine to six in the last. Yeah, uh, two yeah that's true. If if the second half were all that existed, and therefore all that was game planned for. It would have been close. So if you're looking for that, it's on uh, Apple Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcast, just search Look Alive yeah. and go listen to the episode. You should listen to all of Wes's episodes. because You should listen but, to all of uh, But then yeah, listen to uh, Will and Wes. Everything, Wes, everything Will's on. Yeah. yeah. I'm on a lot of crap. You're also some good stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm on not really. So <laughs> quick question for you. Do you want UGA history or buy and sell? UGA football history, not, not university <laughs> Um, let's go UGA history. Let's get, let's, let's knock that one out. Okay. So there is a special section in the media guide. Why are you laughing? Nothing. Go There's ahead. a special section in the media guide that it's really my favorite page. It's page 71. It's the last time. It's the last yeah. time. I love that page. So what this page is, it breaks it up as the last time dot, dot, dot in a game Georgia had and lists all of these stats in a game, a Georgia player had, and then it goes to the opposing side. So, I went through and found a couple that I found interesting, and I'm not sure how I'm going to pose this to you. Maybe I'll ask it as a question. I don't really think I need you to guess. Uh, maybe just react to it. Or you, okay. can, you can pose a quick guess, and I'll give you a short amount of time, and then uh, you can react to it. So, <laughs> and all Tony of, just had a cartoonishly amusing reaction. Basically, no, all of these range between take, like... Early 2000s, mid-2000s to probably 2015. Okay. So nothing too far back. So in a game, the last time Georgia had 400 or more yards passing. Easton LSU. Not East LSU, uh, Murray LSU. I want to say Stafford had 400 at one point, but I don't remember what game. He probably did, but this happened after. Uh, it was against Auburn in 2013, passing for 415 yards. Murray. Oh, yeah, it had to be. Yeah. Murray. Yeah. All right, so the last time Georgia had two 100-yard receivers in a Oof, game. I bet that was a long time ago. Um, Not a regular season game. It had, had to be a bowl game. Was it, the it, was a, it was a bowl game, and it was a bowl game in Florida. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Citrus, Outback, Gator. <laughs> it was against Nebraska in 2013. MicronPC.com. Was that the Citrus Bowl? I, I don't remember which in one because they played them back-to-back. It was 2013, and it was uh, Chris Conley and okay. Caleb King. Okay. Oh. Or no, I'm sorry. Tavares King. Okay. Wrong King. Caleb was earlier and not, not around. As someone that uh, uh, Chris Conley reminds me of this fantasy football season, and I have a league where it's a dynasty league where you, you uh-huh. just do rookies. You basically keep 12 players and just draft rookies. Like I had Randy Moss and Tony Gonzalez their entire careers. Mikol Hardiman is like the most fun, cool dynasty rookie dude right now. So get excited about Mikol. He played for Georgia. I know. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to add something. That's why I paused. No. Tony's just staring. He's like, yeah, Tony's still okay. having his cartoonish Last time Georgia had a 100-yard receiver and rusher. Was it the same person? No, it was two different people. Roosevelt. Nope, this was the uh, North Carolina game at the Georgia Dome. Okay. Nick Chubb oh. went for 222, and Isaiah McKenzie went for 122. Can I do a brief sure. question about that game? It, will there ever be a time where Kirby Smart is as goofy as he was after that game? Remember when he put the like, fake Heisman did, helmet did on? Did Saban put it on after let, winning against Duke? Let him get a hold of a crystal football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he'll be goofy. Yep. But you're right. No, Saban obviously didn't. But like, the, I have because that was obviously his first game. That was his first game as coach. And I remember when he put that helmet on and he did like a little thing. I was like, <clears> hey, 
This well, new Kirby's kind of goofy. Look how funny he is. Last he has year, not been that much fun. Well, since. think about think about the memes or the the gifts that happened in the first year with him eating the popcorn at a recruits football yeah. game, and then also putting on Hot Rod's glasses because yeah. you see that everywhere on Twitter. Yeah, I mean it's worth noting that like that that Kirby is gone until he holds that crystal trophy. Yeah, I think, I think exactly that's right. right. The last time in a game Georgia had returned a punt and a kickoff. For a touchdown. I'll go ahead and answer for you. It was against Kentucky in 2014. I think that was Isaiah McKenzie. I think that's right, yeah. Uh, last time that Georgia had zero penalties. Oh. We have to go way back. It wasn't this. Saturday. <laughs> it was definitely not Saturday. It was against, In fact, the school isn't even called this anymore when they played them. They are now Louisiana Monroe. It was Back then it was Northeast Louisiana, and it was 1997. So you graduated from college. The last time a Georgia player... Attempted an onside kick. Wait a minute. A Georgia player attempted an onside kick? Yeah. Not a fake punt. But an onside <laughs> kick. I mean, Sorry, I, trigger warning. I, I really need to say trigger warning before I say fake punt. I don't know that Rodrigo ever has. Has it's he? Sugar Bowl against Texas. And, it's, and it has right next to it says failed. <laughs> and then the last time, last that time feels like it was successful, that would have been Brandon Kutu or somebody. The only time Justin Fields is mentioned in here is this: the last time they had, the, a Georgia player attempted a fake punt. Brief side note of the Vanderbilt game, by the way. A friend of ours, uh, whose son was on the baseball team I coached this year, is the sister of Vanderbilt's punter. So she she grew up in Nashville. He grew up in Nashville. So he was she was there this weekend. Okay, and he got as, as she suspected, he had many opportunities. Yes, his, <laughs> but, his leg grew three sizes. But it was time. very exciting because, of course, what did Vanderbilt do that Georgia has not done? Clearly, as that showed, they pulled off a successful fake punt, right. and it was actually a really good. Why was it successful? Because there was not a top tier five star recruit. Who suddenly just shuffled into the? Are we are we done with this? Or should we should I, should I not? I don't, I don't know. I think you've made your point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a. Re, it was, I thought it was a particularly well executed fake punt. Oh, I think it was. Yeah. All right. So the last two. Well, you know, it's not so. Hey, the good news: we're not practicing now, so yeah. we haven't we haven't seen one in practice. <laughs> so the last time an opposing team blocked a Georgia punt was Alabama. 2015. Colin Barber was the punter. Mm-hmm. I remember that one. Got his punt block. Block that, that tire. Game out. Uh, I All right, that. so now we'll move to buy and sell. I, I just, it feels like it's yeah. raining. Just you mentioned that game, and it feels like it's raining. All right. What, so. what, what would exercise those demons? Would beating at Alabama next year exercise those demons? They might not exercise the SEC championship demons, but they might exercise those demons. I think so. Yeah. I, that's a great question. I would think about that. All right. Buy or sell. 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 Have you looked at the world? Old coaches shows brought to you by Golden Flake. Buy. You miss you remember those? Yeah. I mean like the Bobby Bowden show, yeah. the God eats Golden Flakes. I remember see, I remember catching like on Fox Sports South a Joe Lee Dunn. Yeah. Well there is a Kirby Board. Smart show. Yeah. But it's it. yeah, oh, sorry, I was gonna get to that. Oh sorry, sorry, sorry. My next question is buy or sell Kirby Smart All Access, the new types of coaches shows yeah, no. that no. are produced. They're and, totally lame. They're totally lame. Well it's it's twenty two minutes of them saying just give them pablum. Yeah, like the beauty of it was those shows felt like a public access between yes. two ferns sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And this yeah. is very, this just feels like more PR. And whatever. If Fine. I'm Kirby Smart, I want quote unquote all access where I'm giving them nothing and everything is promoted to make me and everything in my program look great. But I will say, like, there have been times where 
where you've been very curious, wow, is this guy really going to face the media for his half-hour show after that thing happened this weekend? I will always prefer that well, to this kind of They used to have live call-in shows. Of course. Yeah. With Larry Munson hosting with Jim Donnan. Or for the record, if you're Lovey Smith, you still have to do this. If Kirby's smart, you don't have to do this. But if you're Lovey Smith, you still have to do this. Bill right. from Uvalde, you're up. Lovey, I want to know why you're not throwing the dang ball. <laughs> Buy or sell games like Notre Dame-Louisville where it's late college football games and you fall asleep on the couch and wake up at some point around 1 a.m. seeing Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter because I did that last night. <laughs> yeah. More football. Bye. More football is, is, is good. Especially for like Pac-12 after dark. You know, the yeah, games yeah, I'm here for Pac-12. Yeah, and you, yes. you catch the first I'm, quarter and then the fourth quarter. My, my version of this is I always – I always go to bed after my wife, but I always fall asleep to whatever the interesting game is listening on the on TuneIn, on the TuneIn app because I subscribe to all those things. So that is my favorite thing is to find that really kind of cool, curious game. I, I, uh, already I fall – I think I fell asleep to the uh, Hawaii – Arizona game. Uh, no, Arizona yeah. game. It was like the perfect game yeah. to like fall. Because for whatever reason, this happens with when I fall asleep to baseball too. My brain, even though I'm dead asleep, is aware when there's a key situation happening. And this is, this is a really wild. Like I will fall asleep listening to a Cardinals West Coast game. And it'll be like one o'clock in the morning. And all of a sudden my brain's like, there's two men on and there's two men out. Yeah. And it wakes me up. <laughs> you must sleep really well then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm out. Okay, buyers. So any sound would wake you up? Is that what you're saying? No, no. I just kind of would wake up and look and see that the TV's still on, and it was Scott Van Pelt talking about the game. Oh no, I go to bed. No, I but we I'm 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 either downstairs where the television is, or we have a television in our bedroom, but we don't we don't have it on. Buy or sell. That's for below deck before I come to bed. Yeah, the Below Deck show. It's like a... uh, Bravo show? Yeah. Yeah, my wife watches it. Yeah, I think everybody's wife watches that show. (laughs) Buy or sell. Andy Daly. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm done now. I'm just waiting for you to start. (laughs) Wait till I say buy or sell. All right, buy or sell Sky Suites. Uh, You get all the air conditioning, liquor, dessert you could want. Buy or sell Sky Suites. I, I, for the record, I when I go back to Illinois, I'm very fortunate. They've been very nice to me as an alum. I get to sit in the Sky Suites. They are wonderful. I have to say they are wonderful if you get a chance to do them. That's not – I think you I, – I say yes. Like I have general class issues about this, but on the whole, if you get the opportunity to do it, you should do it. Yeah, so our friend Kay has the Sky Suite at Sanford, and I have been up there with him for games. It's a totally different experience, but it is fun – to experience the game in a different way, the one thing I miss, the, honestly, the one thing I miss is there's just a different energy than than being down. It's, it's kind of press box energy. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Um, although, you know, if I'm going to Champaign, Illinois in the middle of November, yeah, put me in Sky Suites. I would say that, like, if you're, whatever, environment is environment. Like, if you're sitting next, like, this is why I don't like sitting in the press box. The, the things you're saying against this are the things that are why I don't like sitting in the press yeah. box. But the real reason I don't like sitting in the press box is because I can't sit next to people who care about the game the way right. that I do, and I can high-five them when my team wins. Yeah. The thing that's fun for me about going to the Illinois games, A, I've got, uh, there's a bar right next to me that I can get to wherever I, w- I want to. But more to the point, I got people to go cheer, and I can go yell if I want to. Yeah, and the Sky Suites at Georgia are that way. I mean, it yeah. can, I mean well, the, the way it breaks out, the Southside Sky Suites are all enclosed. That's mm-hmm. the ones that you can see prominently. There's some on the north side where there's open air. Yeah. 
So if you're going to choose, yeah. yeah, if you're going to choose, that would probably be the one where you get, still get the crowd noise and everything. Because when you're when you're in the ones up top on the or the south side of the stadium, uh, you know it's like you're watching it on TV. Yeah. Now it is cool because some of the windows are kind of like uh, binoculars, or they they have a glass that brings the the play on the field closer. It's weird. Yeah. You can kind of see through to where they put magnetism in it or something yeah. like that. The, I don't know. It's probably all ball. It's not magnetism, but yeah, yeah. It, it is all ball bearings. Everything's ball bearings. <laughs> everything's everything's mag- ball bearings. It and magnetizes and ratchets. It. Um, I will say that my analogy I always use for this when you watch a game of press magnifies. Box. Not magnetize. Why are you looking at me that way? Magnets. What do those work? Um, Magnets. <laughs> oh, now I know why you were looking at me like I had three heads. Uh, I will say one of the analogy I always use when it comes to press boxes is sometimes it can feel like you're watching a game through a fishbowl. Yeah. Where like you almost want to tap on the glass and see if the players can hear you or see you. Like it definitely can take. Especially after you've, after you've had three liquor drinks. Yes, that's true. That's true. You don't. <laughs> that guy. They're like, wow, look at that. Like, I'm like, can you hear me players? I'm like, get him out of here. Um, but no, I feel like the best example of this is I was at the 2015 World Series in Kansas City, which has a famously soundproofed press box. And like, you can't hear anything there. And that crowd was as, I would like, you would sit in there and be like, wow, does people know one in Kansas City even care that their team's in the World Series? And then you'd open the door and just be hit with this waft of sound. And so I feel like you don't, you, it's not the same experience. It's not the same experience. I will always prefer the other way, but if you're going to invite me to yeah. uh, one of those sky suites. I'll drink your liquor. And I will too. drink your liquor and scream uh, as the team scores touchdowns. All right, so buy or sell. We're going to be doing this on Saturday. You got a home game. You're going to be tailgating. People are going to show up. Will's going to hate this question. People are going to show up wearing certain things. What's your personal rule on how much is too much? Okay, I, dude, I wear my boxer shorts have cheese on. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You basically buy all the Georgia stuff from head to toe, or do, like, are you well, like just my know wife? All my clothes have it. Well, I'm, I'm wondering because my wife is always sitting there thinking like, well, I have the hat. And I have the G on my shirt. I don't need to have, right. you know, red shoes or something. I don't want to look too done up. Almost like wearing the concert T-shirt of the concert you're going to look. I will say that my personal style on this. I said this. I can't believe I just said that. My style. Um, I would say that there are things that other people do that I might not personally do, but like. You do you, man. Like, yeah. this is what this is for. Just don't wear orange. Yeah. Right? Like, this is what this is for. You wear whatever the heck you want to wear. Uh, I've Listen, there have been times I've worn a Georgia shirt and a Cardinals hat if they're in, the like, the playoffs during things. Like, you do you, man. And, like, like my son last year, remember that game over Thanksgiving? He's wearing a Nick Chubb Cleveland yeah. Browns jersey yeah. and a Georgia jacket and a Cardinals hat. And he was – I and, and whatever, he's seven, so you can get away with anything. But I generally – like, the, the pants – the Georgia, the red pants with the Georgia dogs on them. They're not my thing, but like, man, you do you, man. Like you're, we're all on the same side here. So like, I personally think it's weird to wear the Jersey of like an unpaid teenager's name on the back when you're a 43 year adult. But that's me. I don't think there's anything wrong with anyone else that does that. That's just my personal thing to do it. If you're at the game, you are at the game. We live in a world where people will just sit in front of their couch and never actually physically go to these sporting events. If you actually go out and do it, you're on, I'm on your side. I like it. I like it. Okay, so two more. Buy or sell downtown Athens tailgating at a bar or restaurant? I mean, I've done it before. I prefer not to, but you know, for a noon, one of those late season noon games like the Cupcake Weekend, sure, why not? 
this is the weekend to do it, right? Like, no, this, this is the weekend you. It's seven. It's a four o'clock game. Next yeah, week. I'm not doing it. Right, right. Next Arkansas week. State. Yeah. Arkansas State is the weekend to do it, where it's where it's noon, and you're just like, I mean, we're I'm still going, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Next weekend. Yeah. Okay, so last one, buy or sell duplicate numbers, how you have a number on offense and defense. It didn't used to be that way, and I think it was last week it it bugged me because George Pickens is number one, and I think, and I could be wrong, I think Devad Wilson switched numbers to number one on defense, and that just throws me off all the time. And I even have heard announcers get it wrong. It's like, oh, you're talking about the defensive player when it's really the offensive player. Yeah, and I think Georgia got a penalty a few years ago because we had two guys the same number on the field. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. It feels yeah. like number one should never be reused. If you're yeah, number one, it's, like if there's like a couple 73s you know, around. Because uh, who's wearing number three on defense? I don't know. Number because uh, Zeus is wearing an offense. But yeah, there's a. There's I can talk about Zeus, by the way. The way the crowd reacted yeah, to so, Zeus so my dad was, was like, are, are awesome. They, why are they booing? I was like, they're not the same oh, Zeus. And that happened kind of organically and kind of awesomely. That was what I meant to bring up earlier and totally forgot to. Whenever he would come, every single time he came in, people are all, all, all start chanting Zeus, which is pretty awesome for two reasons. A, because he's awesome and it's fun to have collective fan experiences. But also, this is a dude that's kind of gone through, like, had a rough year last year. And, like, it's it's encouraging in a way that, like, this speaks well of the Georgia fan base, where with all of these five stars coming and all of these people coming in, some stud comes in and gets hurt and can't play, and people are so excited when he comes back that they're yelling Zeus when he came in. That that was a underrated, very cool thing that happened at the game. So you there. buy that? Oh, very much buy on Zeus. All right. So you want to get some podcast reviews and comments and questions? Sure. sure. All right. This one comes from PRC. He says, <laughs> "He says, screw Ed Kilgore, screw the New Yorker. We don't tune in for politics." Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's also New York Magazine. I feel obliged to tell you. Thank you, uh, Perk. Well, uh, I responded to him. Oh, yeah? For the record, but by, by the way, I want a, I want a little credit. By the way, like that was not a political interview. I Here's it was the fine. thing: this came in. You know, I didn't realize this, but if you listen to us on Podbean, you can comment. And so this came via Podbean. So here's what I said: I didn't run it by you all. I hope it's fine. Uh, I said you don't have to play that episode. To be fair, hardly any political opinions were stated in that interview. It was Ed reminiscing about his experience as a UGA football fan. Better yet, our Georgia Vanderbilt preview is out. Regardless, we appreciate you listening. Yes, which yeah. I agree with. Which okay. I agree with. But like, okay. I, I took great pains not to make that. Blue. And in fact, I don't, I don't think Ed wanted to. I don't no. think Ed, I don't think Ed wanted to either. He wouldn't would take a walk down memory lane. Very brief, I promise. Okay. The beauty of this to me, like I think of uh, Ryan Skates, Ryan Skates, who does the Poor Man's Notes, mm-hmm. who is awesome. They're very He's good. starting a podcast. I'm going to be on it next week. Don't worry, I'm only going to promote this one. Ryan and I could not possibly disagree more about politics across the board. We were very different. But, like, for crying out loud, like, he's like he's a smart guy. He's a funny guy. He's a smart writer. I disagree with him on a lot of things. I, there are things that I think that are, he, he says and believes that are wrong. But for crying out loud, if we can't actually, like, if Ed Kilgore can't say, you know what, so, you know, my wife and I aren't fans of Trump. That's all he and said. And then you immediately, at that point, like, oh, well, then I don't want to listen to what this guy has to say. In the same way that I can hear, I can see Vince Dooley do a Trump event, which I noted at the time that I did not like, but not, I mean, for crying out loud, he's Vince Dooley. He gets what I like. Like, they, they absolutely should name that, play, that place after him. If you can't do that, we are lost. I will say that. Well, I look forward to that uh, podcast. Is there a title for it or a name? Of it? I'm, I'm the first guest, I oh. think. So, uh, oh. so 
He's actually coming to Athens. We're going to sit down and talk. That, for the record, Poor Man's Notes is They're great. a wonderful newsletter. His uh, his preview of the LSU game last year, oh, yeah. where he made the argument of, you know, if I weren't connected to Georgia, here's yeah, why I would team. be an LSU yeah. friend, was incredibly convincing. It was on point. <laughs> you can find that. You can He links it on his uh, Twitter. It's I think it's Ryan Skates. On Twitter, yeah, it was great. It was it was absolutely, and that's S C A T E S, S-C-A-T-E-S not S K A T E S. Another comment from Nate King Cole. He says, "Love the podcast, but whoever is slurping down their drink right next to the mic drives me nuts." That's probably me. Uh definitely me. So I made. You know what I said? I I'm actually snorting cocaine. This, this, is, <laughs> this is why I like the Podbean because you can respond. You can't respond to the Apple Podcast. I said it's probably Tony. Actually, anytime there's a mic problem, it's always Tony. Sorry about that. We'll try to work on that. Can't promise anything, but we will try as always. Thanks for listening. Go dogs. He commented back immediately saying the content makes it worth it. Go dogs. For what it's worth, <laughs> I, I would like to po- pose this question to the, uh, to the listeners. Yeah. Uh, we obviously will no longer ever be eating in the yeah, that was, yeah, that was a mistake, and we we, we will we'll own that. See. One. Yeah, <laughs> we'll own that one. I, I kind of think the the drinking is like half of it, right? It's been going on for yeah. 188 episodes. Yeah, yeah. So if, um, if you don't think we're gonna, but let us know if if I don't think we're slurping. You might hear some ice clink in a glass, but yeah. that's. Gonna I, don't, I don't think we're, we're we're grown adults. I have drank in many social situations, and no one said, "Wow, there's a slurper." All right, so here is an actual Apple Podcast review. It's a three-star review. Oh, no five-star? It says, fun to listen to, but not focused enough. That's the title. Not focused enough? It's yeah. part of our charm. And he, go, he goes into it says, I enjoy the podcast because the hosts all seem like cool guys. And we are cool guys. Yeah. Uh, who are hanging out. And they seem like they'd be fun to get to know. If your goal in listening to this podcast is purely entertainment... I think this is a good podcast for you. I enjoy the trivia, the uniform talk, and discussion of other teams. If your goal is to learn more about the Georgia football team, teams on our schedule, etc., then it isn't the perfect fit. I've listened to a few episodes where I've had this opinion, but I didn't want to be too rushed to judgment. However, I just listened to the Vanderbilt preview, and there was very little mention of matchups, how we should attack and defend Vanderbilt, improvements either team has made, etc., there was mention of how we might plan to air it out of Vandy's big three players and their defensive line being their strongest unit. But when key football topics come up, they are just mentioned, but not looked at in depth. Again, I think the hosts are great, but they seem distracted and not entirely focused on Georgia football, (laughs) rather having a good time. Nothing wrong with that. It's their podcast and I'm glad they have a great time. I got, I I got no beef for that review. I got no beef for that review. Uh, I think that like there are plenty of opportunities for there if you want those ma- ma- uh, uh, match up. Uh, listen, our friends, the Chapel Bell Curve, they're a very yeah. good podcast uh, about that very thing. And I think that and listen, I don't think that we are lacking for previews of matchups. I'm very positive about all those things. I think we do pretty well. Not that many individual offensive lineman matchups, but like, come on, we're big football fans. We're following this stuff just like everybody else is. But uh, you know, I, I, certainly the idea that. Uh, I think we'd bring a certain panache. You can always improve that rating later. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> and the other part about that is that there are plenty of good places to get that analysis. You can't get three guys slurping drinks. Yeah. In just anywhere. I would say, like, for, I, I know we're kind of joking a little bit, but like, 
I listen to several Georgia podcasts. Yeah. Like I do, yeah. like uh, we, we are, I am very much of the more the merrier idea on this side of stuff. And I, I like to think that if uh, the way that the average person is experiencing the games, I would argue that uh, this is a podcast that comes closest to that. All right. One final review comes from PD Jones, comma RB. Maybe he's a running back. Wasn't that, wasn't P- that the, that's from, yeah, that's that was from a run, running back from Remembrance Titans. Yeah. PD. PD Jones. Uh, there we go. Yeah. I was in that movie. Shameless <laughs> plug. Hear? Shameless plug. Uh, his title is Quality, Crew, and Content. Five-star review. No better way to get your Bulldog fixed during the week than to listen to these three talk about all things Georgia football, Athens, and so much more. Keep up the great work, fellas, and go dogs. Go dogs. All right. Oh, sorry. I can't say that. The you said we, we can keep talking okay, after you so. say go dogs. <laughs> that doesn't automatically it's, end it's, it's like field of dreams. You can't go back, can you? <laughs> and then one other <laughs> shout out. We got an um, Instagram direct message from 2K12 Coyote. <laughs> this mm. cracked me up. He said, yo, that was me that brought up about Wolf lining up as fullback and then gave like the, the thumbs up. He was just dead caught, on. Just caught your postgame show from Vandy. Couldn't agree more about the stupid penalties they hurt at times like last year, and I hope it's not a trend, go dogs. But I, I love how he listened, and he's like, that was me that gave him that idea because I, I had mentioned it, and I couldn't he was remember. Dead who told I, re- I remember yeah. hearing it. I yeah. remember that. I didn't remember how it came up. But. I will say, uh, I was thinking about this earlier. I talked about uh, how uh, uh, I give you so much crap about bylines. Yeah. And when the, I talked about that on the postgame show, the Tennessean had that big front page story about the new athletic director. And it was a really good piece. And I have no idea who wrote <laughs> that story. So I'm sorry. I have to own that while I have the opportunity. That is a very smug internet magazine writer thing to do to not notice the newspaper dude that wrote sure. the story or the newspaper woman that wrote the story. All right. So you want to get in the front office pool? Let's do it. I got nervous, Scott. You took your headphones off. I thought we were I know. Sometimes I have to. It gets steamy under there. Yeah. I mean, I thought, I guess my air's not working too well down here. It's just steamy up. down here. Well, so take it's all the line. manliness. <laughs> Let's go with that. Uh, all right, so let me uh, give you the real, oh, you're going to love this. The winner of the first week, which includes week zero and week one, is none other than P.D. Jones, comma, R.P. P.D. Jones, comma, R.P. All right, good for you. He man. went eight and two with a total of 80, uh, no, 50 points, and it looks like he won the tiebreaker who with Will Lincecum, mm-hmm. who finished with 45 points or something like that. I don't know, but they had the how same. About, how about the three of us? Say what? How about, how about the three of us? No, that's all you care about. Will Leach yes. is ranked 29th. Yes, uh, forty-one points. So you are only nine points. I off think the, the, lead. the Cincinnati UCLA game is the one that hurt me. Tony, Tony, Tony. That's I am good... way down the list. Oh, you are one seventy-three. I think. Okay, so I am uh, one thirty-four. I uh, I have thirty-three points, and you're. Well, I'm ahead of you. I have thirty-five. Oh, Tony Waller, hundred ninth with thirty-five points. But you, you to be fair, you did rank them correctly. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So we'll get into the picks for week two. Let's do it. I mean, this has got some good games this week. I'm excited about some good yeah. games this week. And then we'll pick the Georgia game at the end right. because it's not. Because we've made you I'm this long. picking Georgia without any analysis. All right. So I assume Georgia Merce is not. Is Georgia, uh, is it on? It's not. No. Yeah. I did not put it on here. All right. So uh, first game on the list is Army at Michigan. <laughs> man, Michigan I, was wobbly, man. But Michigan struggled against Rice. I don't watch part of that game because I'm like, man, Army's going to just drag them up and down the field, and they couldn't. I will. I will. If it, can I have my Illini moment? Yes. Uh, the best 
quarterback that's ever thrown a pass for Michigan that played last weekend was not Shea Patterson. It was uh, it was our man Brandon Peters. He was awesome. We scored four touchdowns for Illinois last week. Very good times. Uh, you know, Michigan plays at Illinois, by the way, the first week of October. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my man Robert Rosenthal, who I've talked about before, he writes a yearly. I'll put it this way. I know you Georgia fans think you like your football. Robert Rosenthal runs the site uh, IlliniBoard.com. Every year, writes a season preview for Illinois football. It's like 10,000 words. This year, it was 27,000 words about this, the 2019 Illinois football team. Wow. So that's a guy that... The point is, is uh, uh, no, uh, nothing but love. He wrote a few years. He wrote five, four years ago when Love is with, was hired. The key game to see whether this was a success or whether this was a failure was because we all know schedules go out years in advance. October two thousand nineteen. He wrote this in like two thousand fifteen. Two thousand nineteen. They get Michigan at home. That game is coming, and we couldn't have predicted the Illinois quarterback would be a former Michigan quarterback. But good times for the Illini. Forty-two for three. Give me, give me the Wolverines. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to choose Michigan. I am, I'm generally bearish. Bearish, bearish is the bad one. Bearish on uh, um, on Michigan this year, but yes. And, and I said in the preseason, I thought this was had potential for upset. I still believe that. It's just after watching both of them play, I saw play. the game too, and it was it's hard to pick. It. it was not good. Uh, Vanderbilt travels to Purdue. Two zero and one teams, but which one looked better? Very curious, right? Like this is the this is the argument for why he should have left Purdue, right? Yep. The idea yeah. that that they, they lost to Nevada last week. They lost to Nevada on a cool on that, that the big moment everyone liked the big viral moment where they gave the kicker the uh, that was a bomb by the way. It's like a fifty six yard field goal. My head says Vanderbilt because I think they looked better than they did last year. I don't see Brom. Falling 0 and 2 and having this get careening away from him. I am hesitantly picking Purdue. Low confidence points? Very low confidence points. I agree. All right. West Virginia goes to Missouri. I'm picking Missouri. I, I get that they lost on the road to Wyoming, but West Virginia struggled at home with James Madison. It's, I mean, you can't really say one's better than the other. I just think Missouri has. Uh, more structure in place, and that game's in Columbia. There were a lot of people that talked about the idea that Missouri could be undefeated going into that Georgia game. Uh, I don't think they lose again until that Georgia game. I think Missouri is going to figure something. Missouri has a history of losing a game like this and then getting going. Yeah. The very Northwestern that way. It was UConn a couple years ago, right? And so I think... Or Indiana, maybe. Yeah, so I think that... Yeah, it was Indiana. Uh, I think that they they get it going, and they win this. Okay, uh, Southern Miss at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's favored by 17 and a half. Um, interestingly, I almost didn't put this game on there. Then I saw uh, Mississippi State struggle. Um, well, they, they went down to New Orleans. They kind of did one of those things that Missouri and Purdue did. They went down and played Louisiana Lafayette in New Orleans. Yeah, so that was uh, Louisiana Super Lafayette come back to, to Starkville to play them, but they played the Louisiana Lafayette home game at the Superdome. Um, I'm going to pick Mississippi State. I'm also picking Mississippi State. Miami travels to North Carolina. <laughs> Good for I mean, Mac Brown, by the way. It was it, Mac Brown did one of my favorite coach things, which is a way too old coach trying to do young people things. Yeah. That's always a favorite. And thing. It would have it been a fantastic dance in 1998. Yeah, <laughs> I was a little impressed with Miami, and to be fair, I feel like the way that we've gotten 
Miami was great and Florida was bad in a game that Florida won has mm-hmm. maybe gotten a little weird. Uh, but I was, I feel like that quarterback's got some gumption to him. I feel like North Carolina maybe over, uh, overshot their skis a little bit last week. I'm actually picking Miami in this one. I too am picking Miami. Um, I think North Carolina played well, but they were the beneficiary of Jake Bentley getting hurt. Um, give me the Canes. Bentley didn't make great throws before he got hurt. Either. He certainly made bad ones afterwards. Yeah. Well, he didn't make any more throws. But. We're going to end this uh, with two really awesome games. But before we get there, we got to go through three really rough ones. Uh, the first one being Arkansas at Mississippi. <laughs> what do you mean? It's like a three. Arkansas barely spread. beat Portland it's State. A three what happened? Spread. By the way, what happened with Luke uh, and he and a player got in like a fight or something? Are you serious? I haven't heard this. Yeah, there was like a Mississippi thing where like the coach got in a. I saw that. In fact, I retweeted that, and then a couple listeners brought it to my attention that it was from a fake sports center. Account. Oh and crap! I I'm sorry. It. I mean, I, I yeah, literally yeah, missed I the whole thing. It. Yeah, it was a it was a fake sports center account because I read the whole thing and I, I retweeted it saying like. Oh Guys, God. y'all got to re- y'all got to read this entire thread, and then quickly, uh, I think it was G Key. Oh, thank you. Guy, I didn't even he, know. I missed that whole brought, thing. Yeah, and so I deleted it, and I was kind of like, I was at a game all day, so I like, missed the whole thing. Oh, good. No, good for you. I'm, yeah. Listen, you were you were you were on in a I was, way. That, uh, man in the wheels of steel. But is, isn't that the scariest thing about it though? That like I didn't know any of that. All I heard was the first thing. Right. Exactly. And then uh, yeah, so. yeah, it was total uh, college yeah. ball fake news. Yeah. Give me the Rebel Bears. I, know I can't lost, deal. I know lost to Memphis, but I can't deal with all the discord going on in Oxford right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna pick Mississippi. I'm gonna pick. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna pick Mississippi too. Arkansas looked terrible. They almost did it again. I mean, Chad Morris might be one of the first guys fired. He has more rope than that. <sighs> I'm glad he's not my coach. South Florida. Here's the other one. Goes to Georgia Tech. <laughs> Go ahead, Will. I listen to Solid Verbal. So Solid Verbal has a new podcast. We've talked about a love for the Solid Verbal. Dan Rubenstein was a guest on our show. Um, they have started a new midweek podcast. They always used to do post-game <coughs> podcasts and preview podcasts. They started a new podcast where they kind of analyze the larger issues. Dan made a pretty compelling case that maybe Wisconsin is not that great and South Florida is spiraling a little bit. You will find no better way to find out that if Georgia Tech... Be, I mean, what happens to him, man? If what happens to Strong if Georgia Tech in Game Two beats him? Um, I'm picking Georgia Tech. I am picking Georgia Tech as well. Wow, I thought it was being all bold. Uh, BYU goes to Tennessee. <laughs> how many how many fans will be there at kickoff? Um, you know. Interestingly, this game would have been on there regardless of what happened. You want to be careful about overreacting to one game. But if Tennessee does not beat BYU, it is is altogether possible Phil Fulmer coaches the last three games of the season. Um, Didn't you tweet out it's all part of the plan? Yeah, I think that was – yeah. Yeah, I think it was part of my – yeah. I I tweeted a lot of stuff about this I mean, whatever. Like, listen. (laughs) Listen, we all like to make fun of Pruitt. He was here. I get it. I do not think that he is, if you'll forgive the other discussion, I'm not sure he's Derek Dooley. I feel like there's more meat on his bones than that. Whatever. We might not like the guy, but like there's like, there's something going like, I can't imagine it being that level of a disaster. I just can't. I don't think so. I think he has some sort of culture problem and it's hard to say what the source of that is, but that team quits. They, They quit 
They got punched yeah. in the mouth and they laid down on the mat. Yeah. Um, Which is not something you even expect. Like, whatever thoughts, faults we had with him when he was here, no. nobody thought that was an issue. No. Um, having said that, it's hard to imagine BYU is going to smack, smack them in the mouth. Um, they're too nice. I, no, BYU is, they, they bring, they're dirty, man. They're low key. They've dirty. got a lot of pent up frustration. Oh, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. We'll put it up that way. There's some things. Um, I am reluctantly going to say Tennessee is going to win this game, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's a blowout either way. If they lose this game, Ooh, look out. We're going to have a whole podcast on it. Look out. I'm picking Tennessee. I am too. I, I think I'm going with all the home teams this week is the way my thing is kind of, as I'm searching on it, it looks like that's how it's fallen into place. All right, next game, Texas A&M at Clemson. Number 11 versus number 1. This is really the only chance. Like, here's the thing, Georgia yeah, fans. Yeah. You really want Clemson to lose this game because oh, there's definitely. no other opportunities, really, maybe short of Syracuse, of them taking an L this season. I mean, this is, I mean, also you play Texas A&M later this year. So just talk again about how Texas A&M plays at Clemson, at Alabama. No, they host Alabama. And then at Georgia. And, like, that's and then insane. after they play at Georgia, they end the season with LSU at home. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely nuts. So, uh, but that said, I mean, they paid Jimbo Fisher a lot of money. Oh, he's there regardless of what happens in this game. Yeah. And, no, I know, of course. But, like, the point is, is that, like, Jimbo Fisher has won the national championship. They clearly brought him in. Like, we can joke about, like, wow, Texas A&M's schedule is so hard. But if you're Texas A&M, you brought him in for that insane amount of money you brought him in because he's won the national championship, and we want to be in the tier of Clemson and Alabama and whatever. I, I yeah, like we we are for the sake of our discussion putting Georgia in that. I feel bad saying this, but Georgia does not actually want to have a national championship, and therefore does not get to be a part of the Clemson Alabama thing yet. So, uh, but nevertheless, it's clearly a really tough game for them. Texas A&M, <laughs> it's the only other team that's been in the game the past four years. Yeah, but Texas A&M doesn't think like Texas A&M wants to be there. That's yeah. what they want to see. If they, I'll, I'll put it this way: if Texas A&M wins one of those three games, this season is an unqualified success in every possible way. But I don't think this will be one. You have to remember, this is the closest game Clemson played last year. Um, you know who won probably, for him? Colin Bryant won them one for him this game. Right. Uh, and they, that game was on the road. I, frankly, I think it's going to be a very similar game. I think Texas A&M is a good football team. Kellen Mond, it, despite it being Texas State or whoever it was, showed out in the two and a half quarters he played. Um, what time is this game? Uh, we'll be getting updates seven, seven? throughout our game. It's so, a three thirty game. Three thirty. Okay. Oh wow! It is the three thirty game. Okay. Um, so, but I think I think Clemson wins it. I agree. Wouldn't it be funny if Trevor? Because Trevor Lawrence was not great. He was not in on, that first no, game. He was not on. Wouldn't it be something if he wasn't, wasn't on. great all year? Well, you know, the interesting fact about uh, Trevor Lawrence is his backup last name Bryce. Ramsey. Ramsey Bryce. No, 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 no. His last name is Bryce. <laughs> yeah, know. Ramsey Bryce. Would that would be amazing. That would be amazing because it would be backwards. But uh, Chase Bryce. Chase Bryce, okay. the backup quarterback. He's the one that led them to victory against Syracuse last year when Trevor Lawrence yeah. got hurt. Yeah. Another interesting fact, Walker, my sixth grader, his English language arts teacher is Bryce's mom. Oh, like for real? Mrs. Bryce. 
Yes, Chase Bryce's mom teaches my sixth grader at uh, huh. Oconee Middle School. Okay. See, I'm sorry, that's so much more interesting than whatever this dude's matchups things that you wanted to talk about. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so Walker last week, uh, he had to go to bed when Clemson and Tech were playing. And so I recorded it, and I was just hoping that he would get in. What do you know? Chase Bryce threw a touchdown pass, and he was beaming because he adores his English language art teacher so much, and to see her son being able to you know lead them to a touchdown. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I watched the highlights of him playing against Syracuse. They have two legit top line quarterbacks at Clemson. That's amazing. Yeah, he went to uh, Grayson High School. Went to Grayson. Yep. So yeah, think about the quarterback. Grayson Lambert has his own high school. Well, it's see, in it's in Snellville between Snellville and Loganville. I'm not. It's in Grayson, Grayson Georgia. Snellville, Loganville, he Grayson. One kind of all game. runs together. One all right, last game on the list is LSU at Texas. That's where game day is going to be. Yeah. This is like this is a better the game. intersectional matchup of all intersections. This is matchups. fun, man. This is a even though fun they're really game. only probably what 500 yeah. miles apart. This is unquestionably the the game of the week because this is these are teams that obviously have high ups. LSU look kind of badass last week like LSU looked really awesome and this is the question of did people get too excited about that bowl game last year I think you can make a pretty strong argument that they did that Georgia was not into this game and you remember Sam Ellinger on the microphone after they won no he was we're we're back back. it's on so you lose this game that's going to be thrown back in his face quite a bit Uh, but also LSU they think they're big dogs now they think that like they are back they think they looked great last week it really feels like this is like classic college football awesomeness, right? Someone's going to win and feel like, yep, everything we've said about this thing is vindicated, and someone's going to lose, and it's going to feel like, why did we even buy into any of this stuff? Which is the beauty of college football, because all this stuff is narrative and all this thing is, is, is so on. I do not believe LSU is quite this, I will say. Um, I, or more to the point, I don't know if... Raw, 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 raw Thank you. Football. He does. It, he does it so much better than I do. I feel like Orgeron is a better, is a perfect cultural fit for LSU, but I think there's always going to be a ceiling there, and um, I think this is an example where maybe you see that ceiling. I am reluctantly picking Texas. We're going to go get some cowboy hats, play some football down there in Austin. Gonna, we're going to beat them Longhorns and get us some steaks too. Go back home. Give me LSU. I agree, Tony, because Texas, how many times have they lost the big game, especially at home? I mean, they beat Oklahoma last year. I'll give them that. But that was a back-and-forth event. My analysis is LSU is a better team. No. I'm going to pick LSU as well. I just changed it. I had all home teams until you changed my mind. That was, that was the one-away game I have. So Yeah. Oh, God, you and I have the same picks. Yeah. So Sorry. Oh, Will's Sorry. watching baseball or something. There's one out left in the game. I, put, I, I didn't mean to mute it. So. All right. So, Georgia. Uh, Tony? The what dogs. You, what are your thoughts on the Georgia? dogs? Are you going to break it down? Uh, we can name our score. It's, yeah. it's Murray State. Yeah. Um, Murray. I mean, I think, <laughs> look, I think we were all hoping to see Stetson uh, Bennett play. Um, Definitely for some Prather Hudson moments. I think we will game. see Prather Hudson no. play plenty in this game. Um, you want to get out of this game. You want to, to stretch your legs a little bit. You want to try out a few things offensively and defensively and get out of there without any, any of your first two lines getting hurt. And I think Georgia does that. Yeah. This feels like I don't like no one leaves games early. This is a four o'clock game. This is definitely not a game to leave early, but there's going to be a lot of people leaving. Yes. This is the ideal. Yeah. This is, this is a little warm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's going to, it's going to get hot out there. It's going to be very hot. Uh, so, uh, but I mean, yeah, I did, look, we we need to be careful. We're not, I don't see us beating them like Alabama. We 
Duke or, or you know, LSU beat George Southern, uh, but also wouldn't be surprised if we score 40-plus points. Yeah. The question is, like, is this a game where you score 50? Like, yeah. that's the question. Right. Right? Is this a game where you score 50? I don't see a Kirby Smart team ever scoring, like, 60 in one of these games. But is this a game where you get to 50? Um, my guess is uh, yes. I think it's, like, 52 to 10 or something. Yeah. Well, the last time Georgia played – Murray State was the only time they played it. It was 1945, and they won 45 nothing. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I'm with it. 45 nothing dogs. Uh, however, you get 45. Oh, that'd be six touchdowns and a field goal. So yeah, yeah let's let's go with that. So you think they they keep the keep the racers out of the end zone again, or no team gets in zone? Okay, cool. Correct. And I'm glad you said their mascot because uh, Murray State has a unique tradition. They are the racers, mm-hmm. you know, because they they're in Murray, Kentucky, which mm-hmm. is the southwest corner. Of yeah. Kentucky, it's totally unbelievable that they had a top three NBA player. By yeah. the way, come out of Murray State. Murray State's actually 415 miles to Athens. It's closer, 237 miles to Will's hometown, Mattoon, Illinois. Mattoon, yeah, uh, yes, Matt, Mattoon, Mattoon. Mattoon. You pronounce both T's. I got you. And the interesting tradition: since 1985, they have a horse named Racer One, and it circles the field after touchdowns. Yeah, I love that. I don't think the horse is traveling. Yeah, I don't think the horse. Well, we have there. Ralphie here. You think that maybe? Uh, no, they're not going to bring the horse. They should bring horses, the horse. Yes. They should bring the horse. That'd be awesome. But I don't think yeah. they will actually bring the horse. I don't it, think there's a rider in the contract that if you bring yeah. the horse, you get fifty thousand less, like <laughs> FAMU right. got last year, right. or last right. week against right. um, UCF. Yeah. So if they, you don't bring your band, I think the uh, the payout was reduced by fifty thousand dollars or something. So um, last thing. Uh, it's game week, which is what we've been waiting for. We discuss, we've discussed this in the past about how frustrating it is for me when you when they've had that, which this, this year they don't have. When they have the the SoCon week mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the year, when it's when everything is still up for grabs and the Nobody's team is still it. winning, and but I'm like, guys, come on, you're going to miss this in March. Like this is regardless of just the Dooley stuff, this is a game and. These are going to be good little reps, good little, little swings in the on-deck circle with the donut because uh, Notre Dame is just going to be a big freaking deal. So uh, let's get out there and have a good time. Four o'clock, I feel like it's like the platonic ideal for a, for a game. Like it's a perfect time to go. Uh, I'm just excited to have it back. I'm with Will on this. We get to go on campus. We get to have a little, have a little chicken, have a little drink. Um, Guys, we've been waiting for this Saturday for a long time. I, know, I think somebody counted up 43. So let's get after it. Go, dogs. Go, dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Make sure to stop by our podcast sponsors while you're in Athens this week. Have some food right there in Five Points at The Pine or El Barrio and get your libations over at Five Points Bottle Shop. You can also send us some photos of your tailgate experience via Twitter. We'd love to retweet a few of those. And if you're on Instagram, tag at WSLS Podcast on your Instagram stories. We'd love to share those videos and photos with everyone else as well. One more programming note. On our Vanderbilt postgame show, we had made mention of possibly doing the Murray State postgame show on Sunday from El Barrio, but that has been postponed. We'll still be doing a postgame show, but due to a few scheduling conflicts on our part, it'll just be via Skype. Other than that, have a great week leading up to making your way up to Athens. Enjoy your tailgates on Saturday, and we'll see you on campus. And if you see us, make sure to say hi. And as always, go dogs.